0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So we're back for another one. And this, this I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this because this is when things start to melt down. And there may come a time when I'm like, I'm not posting these because it just gets super ugly. But so to recap, and if, if you haven't listened yet, maybe go back a couple episodes of the On This Day in History essentially there was a glimmer of hope and then we lost to the vikings and, and my general demeanor was look it's time to start looking to the future because this isn't working apparently there, there, what probably happened was there was a split online between people like me who said look you know this isn't it bad year time to start thinking about 2019 and then you got those other fans who are like how dare you you're not allowed to say that you always root for the packers no matter what don't ever say, you know, tank or start looking to 2019. You know, it's always win all the time. Just it doesn't matter. It's not about Super Bowls. It's not about this or that or build or the process. It's just about win today. That's not how my brain works. That's not how I work. I'm much more big picture. I'm much more process driven, right? It's it's just about how to make this team the best. And that's that's just how my mind works. And, and winning meaningless games in a year when the Packers have no ability to win I just, again it just doesn't work that way. Now it's it's a difference of opinion, but what you get then is those people who don't like hearing process driven people say, here's how we rebuild the team because they just like to hear win-win win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win. And then they start shooting off with the you're not a real fan stuff. And I got a little agitated because it's not it's one thing to watch the team lose. It's one thing to have to endure another bad year and to worry about maybe the Packers are never going to rebound and just these negative, horrible, terrible feelings and then have Packer fans come back and tell you you're not a real fan. And it kind of just boiled over a little bit. And so these are the kinds of episodes I tend to enjoy because it's me just basically lashing out. And if you don't like my more hostile-type episodes this probably isn't for you. And if you are a very positive, always win all the time, don't ever tank type stuff, maybe skip this one because I'm not going to be very friendly. And, and, and listen, please understand, although it, it comes off hostile, read between the lines. I say in here, if you want to think that way and I think this way, that's fine. We can be friends. Just don't call me a bad fan. That's the overall thing. And that's generally where I'm at. You can Be a fan how you want to be a fan. I'll be a fan how I want to be a fan. I'll acknowledge you're a fan. You'll acknowledge I'm a fan. As long as we're operating that way, that's fine. But if you're one of the people that believes you have to always root for the Packers no matter what, or you're a bad fan, please listen to this because I want you to hear me, you know, tell you why you're dumb, I guess. I mean, I, I wanted to beat around the bush, but I'm going to say that about 17 times in this episode, so you might as well get used to it now. I'm going to call you dumb and say why you're actually the bad fan. Which, again, do what you want. Neither one of us actually impact the team, so rooting how you want to root has no impact on anything. But, I mean, if you want to go to war on this, or, or maybe just in a hostile way hear me explain why I tend to believe what I believe, a lot of reasons why this is an entertaining episode. I just like hearing myself yell at people. I think it's funny. Especially this year because it's it's all good, which is part of the reason why if, if you're one of those people, maybe just don't listen because there's no reason for us to fight. Things are good so far this year. Let's just be friends. But um if you're a fan of the ranty type episodes, this is uh, this is one you're going to want to listen to. Anyways, we'll take our break, and uh, we'll be right back with this here ranty type episode. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. So, I don't know exactly how long it'll take, so this could be multiple things, but one thing I absolutely want to and feel compelled to address is the whole good fan, bad fan debate because I'm just tired of it. And I did it a little bit yesterday, but I want to really solidify it. Um, and listen, I'm not trying... If, if anything, it would be nice if I could just get people to stop saying it so that we could you know come together as Packer fans and kind of get along. But at the end of the day, I don't really care. I'm not uh, not doing this because I'm looking to make a thousand friends. I, I could not care any less. But at the end of the day, if you're going to sit there as somebody who does a daily Packers podcast who thinks and lives and breathes Green Bay Packers is going to tell me I'm being a bad fan, I'm going to address that. And I'm going to call you out and I'm going to tell you why you're dumb. And that's the bottom line. Because that's what it is. And I'm more than happy to let you be wrong. To sit quietly in your house and do the wrong thing and root for the wrong things because I don't care. You don't impact this team. You don't matter to me or to the Packers. If you just want to sit around with your family and wear your Packers jersey and scream, Yay, Packers! Fine the grown-ups will do the big boy stuff over here will do the hard work and decide what is best for the future of the team and if you want to do that fine we can still be friends we can still hang out we can still talk packers all day long and about what we wish would have happened and who we like and who we dislike and uh, all that stuff but if you're gonna call me out and say i'm a garbage fan and, and you know then we're gonna have an issue and i'm gonna lay out an entire episode about why you're unintelligent and why you are really being a bad fan, not me. Because I'm so sick of seeing it by a bunch of selfish people who want to blast other Packer fans because they just want a round of applause and maybe there's an outside chance Aaron Rodgers will see that that I support them and then he'll DM me and want to be my best friend and we'll hang out every day. Or whatever kind of nonsense is in the back of your mind. Nobody's impressed by you. But anyways, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And if you can't tell, I'm a little—I'm just annoyed. I've been dealing with this for years and years and years and years, and years. all of us have every single year. And and we just sit back and take it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not a bad fan. No, I'm not. I just kidding. No, no, no. It's all defensive. Okay, offensive time. Offensive time today, because I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna we're gonna tear down this one, because I'm sick of it. It's a difference of opinion. If you can't deal with it, then go away. But stop going on social media calling thousands of Packer fans not real fans, bandwagon fans, bad fans, traders. Grow up. So I want to first break this down into three categories because right now I think there's two general categories I wanted to discuss. But as of right now, as far as the Green Bay Packers are concerned, there's three categories. The one is the camp that says, if you can't win, I guess technically there's four, but I don't really want to address the fourth. If you can't win, then it's better to lose than to win. And maybe that's not even always true, but especially now, let's talk about the 2018 Green Bay Packers when the team is clearly in a rebuild. All right, I mean, if this was, I don't know, 2011, even then, I don't know. Whatever. I don't want to get too much into the nuance. But if it's clear that you're going to need several pieces to be able to compete and you cannot win, it's better to lose and get better quality pieces than it is to um, win a few more games, miss the playoffs, or get in and lose in the playoffs and then, you know, hurt your chances down the line. That is one team. The other main category that I want to address is the group that says it doesn't matter if we are win or, yeah, winless at this point you still root for the Packers. In other words, if we literally had zero wins at this point, I would be rooting for the Packers to beat the Cardinals. That would be the other group. Now, the third group is somewhat in between, so I want to address it first, but it's, as of right now, as you've heard, there's a 3% chance the Packers get into the playoffs. How valid that 3% is, I don't know. I'm sure it's based on some relatively solid math. Based on not just the Packers' chances, but the odds that everything else falls into place, but then beyond that, how much can you do in the playoffs? But again, the third group are people saying, as long as there's hope, you root for the Packers. And and listen, I said those words, I think, last week. I was the one that said it. The only difference is, I don't think there is hope. But let, let's address that first, and why, although there is still a chance I've jumped ship, because I, I did, in some regard, backtrack on that, so allow me to explain. But also to just say, I, I have no ill will toward that whatsoever. However, I do think there's a lot of people who are in the second category, which is root for them no matter what, who are using 2010, the exception to the rule, to prove the rule, which is just lazy cowardice. If you believe something, just back it up. Don't hide behind well, there's still a chance, or what about 2010, or blah blah blah. Just stand up for what you think. Root no matter what is your point. If, if that's not what you, but fine. Here's the thing. If you are on the, the camp that, well, 2010 happened, you guys just don't have faith, fine. But if we lose this week, you better be rooting against the Packers, otherwise you're a liar. Pick a, pick a group. Are you in the tank uh, group? Are you in the as-long-as-there's-hope group? Or are you in the root-no-matter-what group? Pick one of those groups, but don't say you're in one group, but you're actually in the other group. Because I've seen a couple other people saying that kind of stuff, and it's like, you know, that's a fair argument, but I better see you in my camp if we lose this week. But I don't think I will. I think a lot of these people are just using that as a a lame excuse to be able to support their current position. But let's address that one first, because I really don't have an issue with that. Let's talk about 2010 first and foremost. I think maybe we forget exactly the situation that occurred in 2010. Because it's nothing like the situation we're in right now. For those that need a reminder, we are currently four, six, and one, and third in the NFC North. In 2010 at this point, we were seven and four. We had just lost to the Atlanta Falcons by three points, and our two previous, and, and by the way, this loss in, in week 12 came after a four game win streak against the Vikings, Cowboys, Jets, and Vikings. Prior to that, two of our four losses now were in overtime. We lost to the Bears by three points. We lost to the Redskins by three points. We lost to the Dolphins by three points. We lost to the Falcons by three points. That was 2010. Now, starting in week 12, we end up losing three out of four, and there was a little bit of panic, right? San Francisco 49ers absolutely annihilated us, 16 to 34. The Lions then beat us by four points, but we only ended up scoring three, so that was pretty horrifying. So there's a panic setting in. Right, we lost to the Falcons. Hey, what's going on? Remember, this is a team that just doesn't lose. It's not like it is now, where we're kind of used to losing. But this is even worse. Nobody's talking about firing McCarthy in 2010, at least not to my recollection. But after just annihilating everybody and only losing by three points—excuse uh, me, I'm sorry—we we annihilated the 49ers. We beat the 49ers, but then we go on <clears throat> after losing to the Falcons, beating the 49ers. We lose to the Lions and only score three points, and then we lose to the Patriots. We lost three of four. We went from being a seven and three team to an eight and six team like that. So things were great, and then they started to become bad. And we kind of got into this oh no, we're only an eight win team. We're going to need to win one, maybe both of these games against the Giants and the Bears if we want to really have any chance, right? To be a nine or ten win team. Well, we beat the Giants 45 17, then we beat the Bears 10 3. So, we were a good team that year who had a little blip in the schedule from week 12 to week 15. We lost three of four. In the midst of that three, or, you know, losing three of four, we annihilated the 49ers 34 to 16. So, even then, things were not just horrible. Beyond that, we had a game in which we scored 45 points against the Dallas Cowboys, so the offense was a little bit more high octane. But even more impressive, we talk about the defense in 2010. Take a look at this. 27, 20, 26, 16, 23, 24, 0, 7, 3, 20, 16, 7, 31, 17, and 3. With the exception of that 31 to the New England Patriots, this defense, oh my goodness. Not one other 30-point game. Not one, 12 out of 16 games were 20 points or less. 12! You want to compare this to 2010? A team that went 7-3? and three? Not right now, dance party. I'm sorry. We're not dancing right now. This is not 2010. This is not even close to 2010. This season is in full collapse mode. Things are not good. Things have never been good. Our head coach is assuredly getting fired. Our quarterback just doesn't care anymore. Players are getting shipped off, and the remaining players are all getting hurt left and right. This is not 2010. By the way, we went into the playoffs. What did the defense allow the Eagles? 16. How about the Falcons? 21. Bears? 14. Steelers? 25. Again, 16-21, 14-25. The defense didn't allow any points. The defense won that Super Bowl, in my opinion. The offense wasn't even that good. It wasn't bad, but this isn't like high-octane Packers offense like it was the following year. I mean, they they scored 27 in Week 1, 17 against the Bears, 13 against the Redskins, 20 against the Dolphins, 9 against the Jets, 3 against the Lions, 10 against the Bears. Even in the playoffs, 21 against the Eagles, 21 against the Bears. They annihilated the Falcons and put up 31 on the Steelers. But there there's no team outside of 2010 is going to score 21 points in the playoffs and win a game. No Packers team outside of 2010 is going to score 21 points in the playoffs twice, you know, once to get out of the wild card, once to beat the Bears and get into the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen. No. The good news moving forward is that we're getting to a point where our defense could potentially get back to this. Not exactly this year. We're, we're very deficient in talent, which is why I'm very impressed by Mike Pettin. He's been able to do very impressive things with absolutely no talent, right? And we were, we were I don't know if we are, number one in sacks, despite having zero edge rushers. The, the quality of our play against the pass has been very impressive, considering it's really just Jair. That's really it. In terms of impressive corners, I mean, King is mediocre. As much as we want to prop him up, I, I would say he's mediocre. I mean, he, he has a top end, but he's got a lot of deficiencies. Josh Jackson has not been good. Tremont was, eh. Despite that, pretty solid. But again, we can build on this. I mean, King was always a project. And considering how much he's been hurt, I don't even know if he's accrued a full season worth of, of learning yet but this is not 2010. Let's talk about 2016 though, because it is a little closer to 2016. If you look at 2016 at this point, the Packers were 4 and 6. Pretty similar to what we are now except we were a half a game, we're currently a half a game further back. We were 4 and 6 at that point. We needed to win out. We we come out of Washington and Aaron Rodgers goes, "Dude, I'm telling you this team is real good. Whatever we needed to see, we just saw it. We're going to run the table and we did." In week 11, we came out of that saying that. And by the way, something that really isn't talked about very much, the defense really stepped up too. We scored 27 points against the Eagles and beat them because the defense only allowed 13 points. The week before, the defense allowed 42. We're not even talking about running the table if the defense allows the, C- the Eagles to get 42 points. The Titans prior to that week allowed 47. The Colts prior to that week, 31. Falcons, 32. Four straight games in a row, and 31 was the lowest anybody scored. From there, once we started running the table, what did the defense allow? 13, 13, 10, 27, 25, 24. Then we get into the playoffs. We allow 13 to the Giants. The first time the defense collapses against the Cowboys. They allow 31, and Rodgers is able to squeak out a win, barely 34. The very next week, the defense gives up 44, and we're done. Defense went on a little bit of a run right at the time the offense started clicking. Right, here's the offensive scores after the bye week, 23-16, 26-32, 26-25-24. We start running the table, and it goes from 27-21, 38-30, 38-31. We get into the playoffs, 38-34. Right? So so it, it, the offense really started clicking around week 14. As much as Rodgers said something happened, the defense won those games to start off. Around week 14, the offense started clicking, 38-30, 38-31, 38-34. That was what happened. Then we get up against the Falcons, and it all fell apart. The offense regressed back down to 21. The defense regressed back to giving up 40-plus points, and we got embarrassed by the Atlanta Falcons. But it was a different situation. We had, we had our quarterback come out and say that something hasn't been right, but that, thing, that spark we've been looking for finally happened, and we're finally in sync, and things really did change. Now we've been waiting for that "quote-unquote" galvanizing moment, and again, it's not—he's he, not a deity. It's not that he speaks winds into existence. He's simply just commenting. He's not causing it. He's reacting to it. He's telling you, "Hey, I saw something. Just wait and see. I think it's going to be awesome next week." And it almost wasn't. Again, I mean, we scored. 25 against the Titans, 24 against the Redskins, 27 against the Eagles. The offense wasn't that much better. We only scored 21 against the Texans again. We only won the next 2 weeks because of the defense. But even so, something had clicked. Something had really kind of turned the corner. That's when we go up against Seattle and it's kind of like I don't know if this thing's going to continue. Seattle's pretty good and we embarrass them 38 to 10. But you know, even to call this 2016 isn't necessarily correct. Now, that doesn't mean we can't run the table, but I'm just saying the reason I jumped ship to defend my own position, because I do understand, again, I'm the one that said it, so of course I understand as long as there's hope you root for the team. And yes, it's because of 2010 and it's because of 2016 that you do that. However, I'm just reading the situation and saying, I'm not giving them 3%, I'm giving them 0%. Zero. This team, at the very least will not beat the Bears in Chicago? No. Is it possible we beat the Cardinals and the Falcons and the Jets and the Lions? It's possible. I would say it's sub-500, but it's possible. Because we have some home games, but they're tough. we got to beat the Falcons and the Lions at home. That's not a gimme. We already lost to the Lions. And although the Falcons aren't exactly the Falcons, they're still a good enough team to be able to beat what we have to offer. Beyond that, we've got some easy games, but they're on the road, and we have not won a game on the road. And then the combination of those two things, a tough team that is on the road, is the Chicago Bears. Beyond that... Why in the world do you think we would do anything in the playoffs? Every game is going to be a road game in the playoffs. We haven't won one yet. So again, if if that is your position and you're saying as long as there is even a 1% chance we get into the playoffs, I'm going to root for the team, I'm okay with it. Again, first of all, don't go call me a bad fan, though, because I'm going to not be okay with it and I'm going to come back here and call you out because you are wrong. But I'm okay with wrong. We all have the right to be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I have a daily podcast. You guys hear me be wrong every day. It's fine. I don't care. Just don't don't turn around and say I'm a bad fan. You're allowed to be wrong. You can root for the team at the detriment of the future, and that's fine with me because you don't have any actual impact on this team. So you can be wrong. Whatever it is that you derive joy from, that's fine. Guess what? I derive joy from watching us lose, knowing that we're one step closer to getting a top prospect that's going to help us win a Super Bowl in either 2019 or 2020. That gets me excited. If what gets you excited is the Packers scoring a touchdown because you're super hyper focused on the present, that's your deal. I'm not. If you're if you're in my camp, but you just you need to, out of respect for the team root for them as long as they have a chance that's sort of your general principle and it is sort of my general principle i again i'm just at zero at this point i'm fine with it but we we got to learn to get along or it's going to get real ugly and i'm not going to sit here and just be defensive all the time like, no 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 no, it's not about no no i don't care i will come right back at you and go right for your throat i not start saying some really dumb stuff to me about how, how much of a fan i'm not yeah <laughs> and it doesn't even matter because i know the truth i mean you're 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 automatically wrong by calling out Packers fans for not being true Packers fans because you have to know they are Packers fans. So you're taking an untenable position, an an unwinnable position. But it still annoys me enough that I kind of want to hurt you a little bit. I want to hurt your feelings, if at all possible. So let's dive into it so I can hurt your feelings a bit. Because if you're somebody who's been... And again, if you're not on social media making fun of people, I don't care. Maybe just take the rest of the podcast off because this isn't for you. Go wear your Packers jersey. Go wear your your Aaron Rodgers jersey and go root for the Packers. And just no matter what you root for them, you just can't get yourself to root again. That's fine, man. Again, football's fun. Having a a team allegiance is fun. However you derive fun from a Sunday football game is fine with me. If you just want to watch a game and cheer and not worry about strategy and the future and all that, just go do it. But for those of you that want to argue and make accusations – Please follow along with me. So here is the general principle. What the bad fan crowd likes to do is to create a sort of false dichotomy, which is to say they give you two choices. Either you root for the team because you are a good fan, or you root against the team, which makes you a bad fan. Those are your two choices, and they're the only two choices. Problem is, that's not correct. You want to know what the real choice is? At this point in time, you have two choices, and I'm going to tell you what they are. And this is going to hurt your feelings because it's so easy to just, to just say, yay for me because I'm rooting for the team, and to just wait for the big round of applause to come. Here's the problem. You want to know the real choice? Let me tell you what the real choice is. You can root for 2018 to the detriment of the Packers' future, 2019, 2020, 2021, or you can root for the future at the detriment of 2018. Those are the two choices that you have to pick from. That's it. Those are your choices. My personal contention is that if you're rooting for this team this year that will not get into the playoffs and cannot win a Super Bowl to the detriment of our future and our future ability to win a Super Bowl, you are being a bad fan, not me. You're being short-sighted and you're being selfish to the detriment of this team. That's my personal opinion. But again, the choice is the real choice. The choice that I created is the real choice. You can pick 2018 or you can pick the future. At this point, that's the case. Again, if if you want to say that's not true because we still have a 3% chance, fine. Again, you're in that group. You go ahead and be in that group. Let's let's pretend we lose to the Cardinals and there is now a 0% chance. That is your choice. We can lose and do a better job and get closer and closer to better prospects again not just in the first round but in the second round and in the third round and in the fourth round and in the fifth and then in the sixth round and the seventh round higher picks in every single round and by the way higher picks carry higher value meaning if we want to trade up in the second round first of all we're already high enough in the second round that if we trade up and we trade a third round well our third round pick carries more weight so we can move up even higher so we have the ability to move from the second round into the first round without actually having to give up very much. Like I said, what would it cost? A fourth? Not even a fourth round? Or maybe, I don't know, a fourth round, let's call it. To have a top ten pick and two other first round picks, late first round picks, three total first round picks at the at the cost of almost nothing? Now there's no guarantee, but if you're going to hang your hat on the fact that there's no guarantee that a top ten pick is actually going to be better than a a, a pick between 20 and 25 and you're going to go find some nuance about oh look at this one guy was picked at 22 and he's better than this guy picked at number one overall that's dumb that's like the guy in blackjack who has 17 hits and then gets 21 and says see i know you don't know what you're talking about you told me i wasn't supposed to hit here and i did and i got 21 ha ha again that is the exception to the rule that is not generally how that's going to work out there's a reason you want to be higher up because that's where the better talents are. Of course, there's going to be some anomalies where some fifth-round guy ends up being better than a, a, a second overall pick. That doesn't mean our goal should be to, to draft later. Let's just give up all our first rounds and draft a bunch of fifth rounds because there's bound to be some gems in there. And I bet some of those gems are going to be better than a couple of those first-round picks. And then, ha-ha, no, you're, you're making up nonsense. Elite talent is gone by pick five. Top-tier Pro Bowl talent, probably going to be gone by pick 12 or 13. Again, there's going to be a couple sprinkled in, here and there. Middle first round, late first round, early second round, late second round, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, maybe a couple sevenths. But you want to find people that have elite physical attributes. They're going early. Guys, I mean, you can't even find guys in the fourth round that have the ability of guys in the first round because they just don't have the physical attributes to get it done. We talk about Khalil Mack, and everybody wants Khalil Mack. right? Uh, there's a lot of overlap between between people who are all upset about Khalil Mack, and we didn't get Khalil Mack, and we should have gone all in and got Khalil Mack, and the same people saying, you're a bad fan if, if you're rooting uh, to lose. Do you know how you get a guy like Khalil Mack? Do you think there will ever be a Khalil Mack to go in the second round? Never. Ever, never, ever. Khalil Mack was picked in the, the fifth pick of the first round. Six foot three, 251 pounds, ran a 4.65. 40 inch vertical, 128 inch broad jump, 4.18 second, 20 yard shuttle. An absolute physical phenom. You will not get Khalil Mack in pick 22. You just won't. Von Miller. I've already said I think he's maybe the best in the NFL right now at least arguably. He went second overall, number two, after Cam Newton. And the only reason Cam went is because he's a quarterback. That, by the way, is pretty much the only way in which Nick Bosa falls to number two is if, you know, some quarterback goes number one overall. By the way, just looking at this, this uh, draft class, let's look at some other people that were drafted early. Number, over, number three overall, Marcel Darius. Number four, A.J. Green. Number five, Patrick Peterson. Number six, Julio Jones. Do you think any of these guys are going to be picked in the 20s? Let's take a look at pick 20 through 25. Adrian Claiborne, Philip Taylor, Anthony Costanzo, Danny Watkins, Cameron Jordan, Cameron Jordan's pretty good, James Carpenter. The Packers picked 32nd and got Derek Sherrod. You want to talk to me about, well, that doesn't guarantee you're going to get a good pick. D- listen, there's good and bad to every position. At least acknowledge the bad of your position and stand by it. Don't give me this nonsense about a, you know picking 8th overall is is not necessarily better than picking 23rd overall. Don't take a ridiculous position to try to defend your nonsense. Understand the weakness in your position and stand by it. Don't try to run away from it. You're wrong. On this you're wrong. Now if you if you're fine with it, if you if you're saying it's still better to root for your team to win even if they can't get in than to get a top 10 pick, And again, early 2nd, early 3rd, early 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, forget all that. It's still better to root for your team. Fine. But acknowledge the weakness of your system and then go ahead and defend it. And explain to me why I, who am trying to build a Super Bowl caliber team, not physically build, obviously, neither of us have any impact on this team, but I would like this team to be able to build a quality football team by surrounding our quarterback and giving our defense elite talent. That's what I want to do. You want to go a different direction. I mean, just look at this last draft. Now, it's, it's filled with quarterbacks, so it gives us a small sample size. But Saquon Barkley, the guy is an absolute freak. He's a top 10 player. He will never be in the 20s. Somebody with that physical ability, never. Denzel Ward, very good cornerback. Bradley Chubb, very good edge rusher. Quentin Nelson, uh, I forget who it was. Somebody just said he's like the best guard they've ever seen. Like currently, I'm not talking about that was his draft profile. I'm talking about currently in the NFL. Roquan Smith with the Bears. He's a top 10 guy. Mike McGlinchey with the 49ers. Very, very good run blocker. Those are top 10 guys. You know who went in the 20s? Frank Ragnall for the Detroit Lions. He's been garbage. Billy Price for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's done nothing. Rashawn Evans for the Titans. Haven't heard his name once. Isaiah Wynn. I think he's on IR to the Patriots. DJ Moore for the Panthers. He's not done anything. Now, maybe it'll take a little while. Fine. But again, that's the difference a project-wide receiver that's maybe going to take a few years to contribute compared to what we just heard in the top 10. How about Hayden Hurst to the Baltimore Ravens? How many times have you heard Hayden Hurst's name this year? How about zero times? There is a massive difference between the top 10 and 20 to 25, or even from 5 to 10 between that and 20 to 25. And you can do this every single year. Don't lie about the fact that, you know, Well, sometimes, and then find the one exception and say, what about this? That is what you call the exception to the rule. And depending on how good a draft is, sometimes you get really top-tier talent that falls to a certain point, but there's definitely a line in which all the talent is gone, and the Packers recognize that. That's why they trade it up. You want to know where the line ends here? At 19. Packers trade it back to 18. Tremaine Edmonds went at 16. He's very good. Derwin James at 17, he's very good. Packers went up to 18, got Jair, he's very good. Dallas Cowboys got Leighton Vander Esch, he's very good. After that, Frank Ragnall, Billy Price, Rashawn Evans, Isaiah Wynn, DJ Moore, Hayden Hurst, Calvin Ridley, Rashad Penny, Terrell Edmonds, uh, Taven Bryan, Mike Hughes, Sonny Michelle, Lamar Jackson. Maybe one or two of those guys are pretty good. There's a clear line drawn at 19. Every year there's going to be a line. Almost never does that line of, of top-tier talent go into the 20s. Sometimes it doesn't even get out of the the double, the single digits. So again, don't try to make that case. It's not going to work. So my preference, for those that don't know, is that we do not win anymore this year. Because it doesn't make sense. Because this is not 2010. Because this is not 2016. This is a team that is in a bad way and is not only not going to run the table, they're going in the wrong direction. The coach who is on the verge of getting fired, who I don't even think if we get into the playoffs can save his job, is going up in front of a podium going, yeah, I'm just not doing a good job. He, he knows it's over. Aaron Rodgers, how, how ridiculous is he at the podium right now? Well, uh, so here, here's the general strategy. We got we to gotta win next week, and then we got to win the week after that, then we got to win the week after that. Then we got to go on the road and win the week after that. And then we got to come home and win the game after that. Then then, then we need some other things to happen. Then we need to go into the playoffs and win. I mean, it's just, like, he, he's just talking gibberish right now. This, this isn't a galvanizing thing. This isn't a strategy. This is a guy who's, he gets it. I mean, he's already talking, well, you know, I'm getting a little old, and, you know, time's running out for me, and these guys are ready to quit. I think they already did. And again, the GM is shipping people off. We got a bunch of guys going on to IR. We've got more injuries. I don't even know what the injury situation is, but I don't think it's going to be good going into play Carroll or the uh, the Cardinals. If we had any competition whatsoever, if we had mediocre talent across the board as opposed to just garbage teams, I don't think it would be very far fetched to say we don't win a single game. The only reason I think we beat the Cardinals is because they're that bad. But I don't even know if we beat them. I I think we will but we got to see what happens. I want to see who's hurt, who's going to play and who's not going to play. And of course, if we end up firing the coach, which I don't think we will, but these are going to factor in. And if this was on the road, I would say it's 50-50. The only reason I'm confident we're going to win is because it's at home. And I'm not super thrilled about that, to be honest. But this is not a team that's going to do anything this year, anything at all. This team can't beat the Texans. We can't beat the Titans. We can't beat the Lions at a neutral field. We can't beat the Bears. We can't beat Dallas. We can't beat New Orleans. I don't think we beat Atlanta on the road. I don't think we can beat Baltimore. We can't beat Seattle. I don't think we can beat Carolina. I think beating the Browns on a neutral field would be iffy. We can't beat New England. We can't beat the Chargers. We can't beat the Colts. We can't beat the Steelers. I don't think we can beat Denver on a neutral field and we can't beat Minnesota. That's where we are currently. How much better are we going to get in your mind that we're going to be able to beat all these teams? We we're going to run the table and suddenly be with what? With with what talent? What talent is going to beat the Rams and the Saints? With with our non-existent offensive line, with our one-ride receiver, with our one running back who doesn't have an offensive line or a coach that wants to commit to the run? with our one cornerback, with our one defensive tackle, zero edge rushers and and subpar linebackers, with zero safeties. It's not just a matter of of guys not putting in 100%, and if we can just flip it over to 100%, boy, oh, boy, we're going to be good. That was the case in 2010. That was the case in 2016. That's not the case this year. This is the best we have. I think we're exceeding our abilities. The fact that we can drive down the field early and often and get points – but then just stagnate is impressive to me, considering the lack of talent we have. The fact that our defense has the ability to play a half or three quarters at times before completely falling apart is beyond impressive. Again, we don't have any good safeties. We don't even have, have bodies that are safeties. We got, we got a corner and then Josh Jones, who's like a linebacker safety hybrid, who's not very good, but he's, he's back there. That's it. That's our safeties. I don't even know what we have at corner anymore. We got Josh Jackson, who's not good. We got Jair, who's good. Tony Brown's hurt. Tremon's a safety now. Kevin King's hurt. Who, who, who is it? I don't even know anymore who we have. Nick Perry's out, so what, we got Reggie Gilbert and Kyler Fackrell and, and Clay Matthews. Mike Daniels is hurt, so we got Kenny Clark and, and Tyler Lancaster. I just It's just, this is not a good football team. We need more ta- – listen, Ted Thompson depleted this te- this team down to nothing. This is the best we can do. We should be impressed that we got this far. We should be impressed that it took this long to fall apart because Ted Thompson has been neglecting this team for too long. This is what happens. This is what, listen, this is what happened to Seattle. Now I've been saying this is why this team is not and, – and you want to talk about impressive, the fact that they can do what they're doing. But they're, they're, they're following the same path as the Packers. They're exceeding expectations despite the fact that the defense has been brought down to nothing, despite the fact that they don't have an offensive line and have not been able to fix the offensive line. They've got some, some decent talent at wide receiver and a very good quarterback that can drag this team into a couple wins. But they're just going to keep sliding and sliding and sliding until they get rid of Schneider, that garbage GM, and get somebody that knows how to draft. We've got our GM. We've got our defensive coordinator. We've got a couple pieces thanks to last year's draft. We need several more pieces, and having some very top-tier talent, if we can get a top-ten talent, and I'm telling you, if you're not on board with me, just go watch some of the guys. Go to NFLBigBoard.com, watch some of the highlights. Go watch Nick Bosa. Go watch and Williams. Go watch Ed Oliver. The fact that we can even get a sniff of drafting these guys. There's almost no safety talent in this draft whatsoever. However, Deontay Thompson, very good safety. He's not coming out of the top 10. You want him? Got to be top 10 to get him. There's one very, very good tackle in this draft. Jonah Williams, you know what? He's probably not getting out of the top 10. Elite linebackers like Roquan Smith. You want those kinds of guys like Devin White? You better be drafting early enough to get him. Want another elite lockdown cornerback like Greedy Williams? Better be top 10. If you want to take a shot on another Nick Perry-type guy, fine. We, we can get that with our, our second Saints pick. We'll take a shot on a guy like Montez Sweat, who I just don't like at all, and we'll see what he can do. Maybe he can get us a couple sacks. Maybe he'll end up exceeding expectations. He's not going to have the speed of, of some of these top ten guys. He's not going to have the power. But if he can really refine his technique and, and kind of, you know, whatever, he's got some ability. We'll see what he can do. But I want, for the first time in ever one just give me one of these elite players you know i'm talking about the guys that are gone by pick five nick bosa ed oliver and williams just just give us a shot so anyways again it's up to you to decide how you want to be a fan i don't care but ultimately what we're talking about is fans of the team deciding to root for the team in different ways. If you can't handle that, and you feel the need to go out and attack fans for not rooting for the team the way you root for the team, fine. But expect me to call you out on it. Because you're wrong. And you have the right to be wrong. You're wrong about us making a run into the playoffs and having a shot at a Super Bowl, if that is your contention. You're absolutely wrong about it being better to win and have a worse draft pick and, and, and you know hurt the future of this team so that I get to cheer for this year. You're wrong. But again, you have the right to be wrong. Just, just kind of shut your mouth about it because you're going to smack into a brick wall if you want to come at me with that nonsense because you're wrong. So what I would like to do is for all of us to just continue on as Packer fans rooting for the team in however we feel like rooting for the team. If we want to move on and get excited about the draft, let us do it. If you want to root for the Packers to win no matter what, go ahead and do it. I'm not going to call you out for it. You will not find me attacking anyone on Twitter saying, let's go Packers. That's never going to happen. But people need to chill out. I don't know what it is about Packers losses, but Packer fans become complete pieces of garbage sometimes. I've never seen, I've never been personally attacked as much as when the Packers lose. Even when I'm being positive, if, you can't win. If you're on Twitter and you talk when the Packers lose, Packer fans will go right for your throat. If you're positive, you're, you're, you're getting attacked. If you're negative, you're getting attacked. If you, as a human being, don't have the ability to be just uh, give, have basic decency, to, to be just polite, if, if you just feel the need because you're sad and you're having a bad day to go out and hurt somebody, you are garbage. That's what you are. And if you don't want to listen to this podcast because I call you garbage, I don't care. I don't get anything from this. I'm not making money. This isn't my job. You can't hurt me. That's why I get to do this. That's why I enjoy this. I could pack this podcast up tomorrow and you know what? I go on with my life like nothing happened. And I would go on to build the next thing because that's who I am and that's what I do. I just keep working and I do what I like and I do what I love. I don't care what you think. But I'm not going to sit by and just let you just start swinging around hurting people. Because you're a child. And it's embarrassing how many times, especially on Facebook, you see 40, 50, 60-year-old grown men who act like 13-year-old girls with their emotional mood swings and just looking for somebody to lash out at. Maybe put down the bottle and go sleep it off. It's pathetic. How pathetic are you? You can be mad. Don't go around trying to hurt people. Just, just let me give you that advice, because, listen, you're not hurting me. You're hurting you, and you're hurting your family. I can't imagine ah, you having children. How horrible it must be when the Packers lose to see your family vacate the room because we don't want to be around Daddy right now because he's just kind of mean. Be a better person. Stop saying people aren't fans of the team because they don't think like you think. Go do what you want to do and leave people alone. It's always the short-sighted ones that don't have the ability to think that are the most angry. It's incredible. The the ones who are wrong are the ones that want to lash out the most. You know what you are? The, the for, for those of you that are that are saying that, you know, it's always better to win now and everybody else is wrong and dumb. You're the parent that tells your kid, "You're a great singer" when they're garbage. And you know what? That's the easy thing to do and it makes you feel good and it makes your kid like you in the moment. But then when your kid goes on American Idol and gets embarrassed in front of millions of people, that's your fault. Same situation here. Short-sightedness. Wanting what is nice and good and feel-goody right now. You know what would be better? And I've, I've done this. And I was not very popular for, for the first couple of seconds. I did this to a, to a I don't know, 7, 8-year-old girl, who was my daughter, by the way. She decided to sing. And she wanted to t- 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 get my opinion how good of a singer she was. You know what I told her? The truth. But I went on to explain to her that, listen, if this is a passion of yours, then if you want to develop this skill, you know what it takes? It takes hard work to be a good singer. But I will help you. If you want to have lessons, we will take lessons. If you want to practice, if you want to become a good singer, we can do that, but it's going to take work. You can't just jump out and say, I'm good at something now, and everybody applauds you. That's not real life, and the sooner you learn that, the better. And you know what? She was fine with it, and it made sense. And I said, "No, would you like lessons? And she said, no, because she didn't really care. She was just looking for for mom and dad to come over and say, you're wonderful. And listen, I mean, you know, my two-year-old does something. Everything she does is wonderful. But at some point when you get older, you got to realize that immediacy and expediency and getting what I want right this moment isn't always the best thing. That's the case with the Packers. You want to win today because you just want it, because I just want to see you win but you're doing it at the detriment of the future. You're breaking the back of 2019 and 2020 and the last remaining years we have of Aaron Rodgers to actually win a Super Bowl because, because Jerry wants a win, because Jerry just wants to see the Packers dominate the Cardinals, because Jerry just wants to see a 40-banger get put up on the Cardinals because, boy, oh, boy, that'd make me feel good for a day. Fine. Go be that guy and go be that guy quietly because you're wrong. But again, that's okay. Go be wrong. But be wrong and polite, okay? It's, 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 it's ridiculous that a, a 31-year-old, as a grown-up, I have to talk to other grown-ups and say, play nice. I have to talk to adults on social media the same way I talk to my 4-year-old son. Please stop pushing your sister. Please just be nice. Why do I have to talk to it? Why do I have to dedicate a podcast to, to explaining to adults how to act like adults? Because sometimes Packers social media is garbage. And it's filled with people that don't know how to control their emotions. And I'm just getting kind of tired of it. Let's have a discussion. I'm fine with that. But I don't want to hear any more nonsense about you're a bad fan. And that includes people in my camp attacking people who say I want to see the Packers win. Don't go saying they're being bad fans or they're not real true fans. It's just a game. If that's how they want to enjoy it, just watching the Packers win, let them just enjoy it. If you want to have a discussion, have a discussion. If you just want to lash out at somebody, just go somewhere else. Do something with your life. Go read a book. Get off Twitter. Go clean something. Go clean the garage. Anyways, every once in a while I just got to get stuff off my chest, and that's what today was. There are a lot of things that need to be fixed on the team as well as in the fan base. For example, you know, the whole doing the wave when the Packers are on offense and and sitting when we're on defense and, and... little cultural things that maybe need to be changed because it's not the right thing to do, this is another area where we could maybe improve a little bit. And, and and again, I would like to bring you into my camp, and I'd like to have that discussion, and I will be talking about it on this podcast. And we can have discussions. What I would like to stop is the, the nonsense narrative about you're a bad fan. Let's just stop that. Or a, a real fan. You're not a real fan because you're not like me. I'm a real fan been watching since the 70s, man. I've been through the hard times. You don't know. You're spoiled. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I get it, Greg. It's so boring. Jeez. Just listening to just garbage fall out of a dumpster. It's just drivel. Anyways, I got nothing else to say on that. If you agree, if you disagree, that's fine. I don't care. Do whatever is going to make you happy on Sunday. Just do it. I don't care. Please stop telling people They're not true fans because they're not like you. That is the big takeaway I want from this. Now, again, I'd love for you to be in my camp because I think it's the right camp. That's why I'm in it. And I would encourage you to think over what I've said about the true decision that needs to be made here. Should we root for 2018 to the detriment of 2019, or should we root for the future at the detriment of 2018 because that is the choice you have to make? Think about it and make the right choice. But again, it doesn't matter because none of us are the GM. So if you want to just think whatever, think whatever. Anyways, I am officially going to stop now. It's Tuesday. It's the worst day of the week, which is maybe why I was a little bit grumpy this morning. But I do hope you enjoy your day. We're going to, you know, as long as the Packers have contention, we're still going to talk about both sides of the spectrum, right? We're, we're, we're just going to monitor the NFL and say, this is where we're at in the draft. This is where we're at for our playoff hopes. Once the playoff hopes are officially dashed, We'll stop focusing on that, and we'll strictly focus on the draft. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll focus on both ends of the spectrum, kind of see just the lay of the land, where we're at, what needs to happen from each perspective. Um, I was the the initial plan for today until I got into an argument was um, to kind of go through the scenarios of of best case scenario, and it's not as good as I had hoped. I kind of figure if we lose out, we're going to be like top five. It, it's it's pretty iffy that we're going to end up there because you know teams that are garbage. Just we're not the only team that could. Likely lose out. right Do we expect the Raiders to win one more game this year? Probably not so much. And um, anyways, so it's we'll see. And, and, and you know, again, we'll just keep an eye on it. I think top ten is very very doable. I mean, we're almost there. Where I think we're eleventh right now. But as um, as 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 always, we need help from somebody else. We're not going to move up even one spot unless somebody else wins and we lose. So we'll see. Either way, there there is a good amount of talent, especially defensive tackle and edge rusher. So whether it's a, you know, number eight overall pick or a number 14 overall pick, it's still going to be better than, you know, a pick 25 and then a pick 30 or whatever it would be if we were Super Bowl contenders and losing the playoffs. So anyways, enjoy your day. We will continue our discussion on um, kind of the lay of the land tomorrow. Maybe, who knows? You folks enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.